0: number three. Lamentations chapter number three. It's good to be here, isn't it? I look forward to being in church on Wednesday night. And I don't know about you, but I need to be here on Wednesday nights. I really do. Gets our batteries recharged a little bit. Gets us sharpened back up. You go out there and you swing the sword out there in battle, boy, and you're fighting those powers of darkness that are out there. uh, So prevalent in our world today. And uh, you know when you're fighting out there with your sword, and man, you're clashing. After a while, your sword gets a little bit dull, doesn't it? You know you're clashing, hitting that armor, and all of that, and you need to come in and have that sword sharpened from time to time. And what a blessing it is that we still have that privilege to be able to come here tonight. And I hope you look forward to what God has for you. I hope you pray for the services that God would give us what we need as we prepare. And I know it's always a blessing to me because I'm often in need of it. You may not need it as much as I do, but I need everything that God sends my way, particularly in the world that we're living in here tonight. Lamentations chapter three. Hold your spot right there, and I. want to do a reminder to you right quick. We started in Lamentations early part of this year when we unveiled our theme of renew as we went through such a difficult time uh, in the year unspoken last year, how difficult of a time it was. and really felt burdened by God that our church needed to be renewed to renew our calling, our character, and our commitment. And our theme verse is chapter five. Turn back to your right to chapter five. Look down at verse 21. You'll see our theme verse for this year and remind you what we're working toward in the book of Lamentations. We're not just picking a book randomly. We're going through this book, trying to get to our theme verse, which is verse 21 in chapter number five. The Bible says, turn thou us unto thee, O Lord. Well, what a prayer that is tonight. Turn us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned. Renew our days as of old. That's the verse we're working toward in Lamentations. That's the theme of this year we're working toward, that God would renew us. Listen, if God was done with us, he would have called us home, and he hasn't called us home yet. He's left us here to accomplish his will in the world that we're living in. Therefore, we as his people have to be renewed. That's kind of what Wednesday night is. Wednesday night gives us an opportunity throughout our week to be renewed in the middle of our week. And so I pray you're looking forward tonight not only to being renewed for the day tomorrow, but Continually being renewed in this year that we might have that uh, witness in ourselves that God would have us to in the days that we're living So Lamentations chapter 3 we ended up last week in verse number 23 I believe it was Remain seated tonight pay close attention as I pick up in verse number 24 Uh, I'll skip some of these verses throughout the messages we've been preaching if it is a common reoccurring theme uh, And the Lord allow us to do that but tonight we're going to pick up where we left off verse number 24 Chapter number three, the Bible says, The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. He sitteth alone and keepeth silence because he hath borne it upon him. He putteth his mouth in the dust, if so be, there may be hope. Let's stop there and pray. Father, thank you again for the privilege to be in your house, to hear your word. Thank you, Father, for preserving for us this book of Lamentations as, Lord, we are lamenting, Lord, as a people, as a country, uh, as a world right now. And, Lord, I pray we'd learn these lessons that we've been going through, that, Father, we might have that renewing that we desperately seek in chapter 5. And I thank you for what you're going to do in the message tonight. I thank you for what you've done in my heart already and pray your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. If you recall, last week we picked up in verse number 19 and read down to about verse 23 and looked at the lesson of learning, the lesson of learning. And we saw in those four or five verses what Jeremiah uh, had learned. There's some wonderful truths that are there. He learned about the magnitude of God's mercy and the character of his compassion. Look back, if you will, uh, to verse number 21. This I call to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. In the midst of all the calamity, he learned about God's mercy. Uh, And then the Bible goes on to say in verse 22, because his compassion, passions fail not. And so he did not waste what he went through. He learned something from it. And God help us tonight to have learned something over the last two years that we've been going through uh, all of the calamity that we have to learn something from it. Now, Jeremiah has been going along for the ride of God's judgment. And regardless of the fact of whether they learned their lesson or not, Jeremiah decided, you know what, I've learned something from it. And folks, let that be our resolve tonight. Whether or not the world learns why and what we're going through is from God, help us as the people of God uh, to pay attention to what God's trying to show us through all that we're going through. Now, I'm sure you're wondering tonight, as I was wondering, as I continually have been reading through Lamentations, how could someone go through all of what they're going through and not learn their lesson? I mean, to see all the things that have happened, you pick up in verse number one of chapter three, read all the way down through verse number 18, you see all of that calamity, and you realize that some of these people have still yet to learn what God was trying to teach them. Now, folks, I hate to tell you this, but I believe there's many of us tonight, possibly even some in this room, who we've gone through all that we've gone through the past 18 months, and we've still yet to learn the lessons of what God has been trying to show us. Now, why is that? Remember this truth tonight. There's a difference in being challenged by an experience and being changed by an experience. You know, I think we've all been challenged in the last 18 months, haven't we? I mean, our patience has been challenged. Remember, your children stayed home from school for a while, and your patience was probably challenged. For some of you, your spouse stayed home for a little while, and I'll bet your patience was challenged. I mean, we were challenged by all of the rules and the regulations and all that we had to do. We had to have outdoor services. Oh, how we were challenged through that. And I believe all of us were challenged to some extent by the calamities that we have experienced. But do you know just because you were challenged by it It doesn't mean you were changed by it. You know, you can't say that you've learned something until you've been changed by it, until you've changed the way you do what you do because of what you've gone through. I was thinking of something this afternoon, it just kind of popped in my mind. I guess the Lord kind of reminded us of it. Years ago, my dad asked me to change a gas bottle in one of the camp cabins, probably for one of central Hattiesburg's camps. And uh, it gets cold there during that week of camp, As for the Matthews. It always has a hard freeze during winter retreat about that time. And we had those little gas bottles hooked up to the cabins to keep the kids warm, you know, because uh, they're pansies and they just don't like freezing either, like I did in the teepee the other night in Montana. And so the gas went out one night, and my dad calls me. You know, that's the benefit of having, having children. You can just get them to do it for you, right? And my dad calls me. He says, the girl's cabin, uh, their, uh, their gas went out. And I'm like, well, just tell them to suck it up. It'll be all right. No, no, I didn't say that. I was thinking it, but I didn't say it. And uh, dad said, would you go over there and change it for me? I said, sure, I'll go change it. And so I unscrewed the, uh, uh, the, the, the gas bottle off and I, I put the new bottle on and I began screwing the adapter uh, on the gas bottle trying to get their gas hooked up. And the more I turned and the more I turned and the more I turned, it would not go in. And it's freezing out there, all right? I'm freezing now and I'm trying to screw it in, trying to screw it in. And no matter how hard I try, I'm still not getting it to go on there. I know they're in there, they're cold, but I can't figure it out. And I'm challenged by that nozzle trying to get it to go in the gas bottle. Well, I realize a very, very valuable lesson. Gas bottles are threaded differently. Gas bottles are actually threaded opposite. They're threaded, I guess, left instead of being threaded right. And if you want that gas nozzle to go on there, you're going to have to change the direction that you have been turning it. Now, watch this. I was challenged by it. And oh was it frustrating, I was cold He got me out of bed to go change the gas bottle For some pansy girls who wanted some heat in their cabin No, they weren't pansies, it was genuinely cold And even though I was challenged by it I hadn't learned anything yet, why? Because I didn't figure it out enough to change the way that I was doing it And finally I was able to say that I learned a lesson, why? Because it changed the way I was doing things now, folks, I believe the last 18 months have challenged all of us. Listen you, listen, you just have to be brain dead tonight if what we've gone through hasn't challenged you a little bit. But just because it's challenged you doesn't mean it's changed you. You see, we can truly say we've learned the lessons of all that we've gone through when the lessons that we have gone through have changed us. Jeremiah is showing us something here tonight that we need to see that you can tell when you have learned the lesson because it's changed you somewhat. And I fear tonight, there's many of us, maybe some in this room, maybe some watching on live stream. We've gone through a lot, and we were challenged by a lot, but we haven't learned our lesson. Why? Because we haven't been changed by what we've gone through. Proverbs 13, 15, what does it say? The way of the transgressor Transgressor is what? Hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. Do you know that's the point? That's the point. God says, I'm going to make your way hard when you're going the wrong way. God says, I'm going to make your way a challenge when you're going the wrong way. Do you, do you know why God makes our way hard when we're going the wrong way? He wants us to stop from going that way. All right? That's why he makes it hard. And then lo and behold, we repent and turn from that and turn back to God. Now we're going back in a better way. You see, God sends those difficult times to turn us. And we truly show that we've learned the lesson from the adversity by turning and changing our ways. Now, folks, I don't know if America's learned its lesson yet. You know they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result? I think we've gone insane. Why? Eighteen months in, we're still going the wrong way. We're complaining about how hard it is, but it's hard because of the way we're going. And if we just learned the, the reason that it's hard, we would repent, turn back to God. That's what God's point is in all of this anyway. George Bernard Shaw said one time, he said, If there's life on other planets... I believe they must use the planet Earth as their insane asylum. I can't help but agree with him. You're watching what's going on in our world, and we just keep pushing the envelope, pushing the envelope further and further away from God. And it just seems like, Brother Michael, the further we get from God, the harder it gets. It does, because it is. Why? Because we've yet to learn our lesson. Now, here's the problem. We live, from, we live through our problems, but we don't learn from them. We live through it, but we don't learn from it. Now, Jeremiah is going to show us the proper response when we've truly learned something. Watch this, if you will. Verse 1 through verse 19 is heartache. Jeremiah is going through the judgment of God. He's having to ride this rough road with a bunch of rebels. But finally, we see, look down, if you will, verse number 20. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is what? Humbled in me. So first came the heartache. It became difficult. Now watch how Jeremiah responds. Now he's being humbled. You see, that's what God wants to do through heartache. That's what God wants to do with that difficult way of the transgressor. He's trying to humble us. And then watch what happens down in verse 24. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I what? Hope. Heartache, humility, and hope. God says, I sent the heartache to humble you, to get you to the place where you could have hope, realizing that I'm your only hope. Jeremiah's showing us that this is what it means to properly learn from what you're going through. Now, watch what he's doing tonight. I want to see something beautiful here. The Bible says, look down, if you will, to verse 24 again. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. Now listen, this is not a blind hope. There's a lot of things we hope for tonight that are never going to happen. Yes, hair on top of my head is one of them. Oh, I hope, but I'll tell you something. That's not the kind of hope that Jeremiah has. Listen, the hope that he has in God is a helpless dependence Jeremiah says, we have been humbled as a people. We rebelled against God, and we have been humbled. There's no help coming other than from God. That's what hoping in God is, a helpless dependence that if God doesn't do something, then we're out of luck. What is he showing us tonight? He's showing us another lesson we're going to look at, the longing, the lesson of longing. He's longing for God can I tell you when you long for God? When you long for him. It's evidence that you learned when you long for him. Give an example the prodigal son. He's out there the Bible says living riotously, wasting his substance on riotous living. He's having fun and then lo and behold his way gets hard, doesn't it? Gets hard. Can't find anything to eat. Can't find those friends that were with him and join spending his money. And he's sitting there in the mire and the mud and the slop. And then he starts thinking about home. How many of my fathers hired servants? They have food to eat. He's thinking about daddy. He's thinking about that that nice warm house. He's thinking about the food that they're eating. And all of the sudden, watch. The heartache led to humility And now he found hope only in his father. He started longing. Do you know what I believe God would have us do in the midst of all that we're going through? I believe God would have us learn to long for him. When was the last time you longed for God? What does Psalm say? As the heart or as the deer panteth for water. You ever been thirsty? That's what God wants us to do. It starts with the heartache. And it leads to the humility. But through the humility, Jeremiah says in verse 24, that he has hope. He's learned to hope in the Lord. Now, tonight I'm going to show you two of the simplest yet most difficult things for us to learn. The simplest but most difficult things we can do learning this law or this lesson of longing. Now, look down, verse 25. The Bible says the Lord is good. Amen. He sure is. The Lord is good unto who? Unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. Look at verse 26. There's something else here that sounds very familiar. Verse 25. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly what? Wait for the salvation of the Lord. Verse 27, it is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Verse 28, he sitteth alone and keepeth silent. So verse 25 says wait. Verse 26 says wait, and verse 28 says he sitteth. Now, number one tonight, when you're longing for God, watch this. I didn't give them my notes tonight, so you're just going to have to pay attention and jot these down. When you're longing for God, notice this, you're willing to be still. When you're longing for God and you want God and only God... You get to the place where you're willing to do what verse 25 says, the Lord is good unto them that wait for him. Verse 26, the Bible says, and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Verse 28, he sitteth alone. What is the Bible saying? The Bible says that when we get to the place where we're longing for God, we're willing to be still and wait on him and no one else. That word still means exactly what you think it means, not active, not going, and stationary. But there's more to it than that. I've, uh, I've never owned a horse in my life. I should ask Curti and the Corbys about this. Y'all could probably help me with some of this horse stuff. So I get this wrong, correct me after the service, okay? I've never had a horse, but I've watched enough Westerns to think this is how it goes, Okay? They had that wild stallion out there up in Montana. They had wild horses, the wild horse ranges up there. And those horses are wild and they don't want to be ridden. And they'll go and they would lasso one and bring it back to the corral. And then it's time to break that horse. And man, they're trying to get a saddle on there and they're all having a competition who can break the horse. And, you know, they get on the back of that horse, it begins bucking and jumping around and bucks the guy off. Why? Doesn't want to be ridden, doesn't want to be broken. Now the guy comes along, he's full of pride. It's, listen, that's a great humbler, I think. Watching on the Westerns, it always humbled little Joe uh, when he had to get on the horse that nobody could break. Bonanza, in case you're wondering. He'd get on the horse, he'd begin bucking around, bucking around. After a while, it'd buck him off. But then lo and behold, here it comes. It's usually the stranger in town, all right? The stranger in town that just walked up, I bet I can do it. Then he gets on the back of that horse, and he starts riding, and starts riding, and you can tell the smiles on the guy's faces start to fall when he begins to ride him. Next thing you know, the horse quits bucking. The horse finally just stands still. Why? Because he knows he's not going to buck him off. And it's in his best interest if he just submit. And the horse finally stands still. Why? Because there's no point in bucking anymore. You're not getting him off your back. Jeremiah is representing a nation of people He says it's good that we wait It's good that we You know God's been on their back for a while And they kept trying to buck God off And buck God off And buck God off No we're going to do things our way We're going to do what we want to do Go where we want to go And finally they have gotten to the place Jeremiah says verse 26 It is good that a man should both hope And quietly wait I'm just going to be still Folks, if there's anything I hope the last 18 months have taught us is that we have to acknowledge and be submissive to God and just be still. There's no point in us bucking anymore. Why? Because finally, one day, God's going to get us to the place where we just learn to be still and wait on him because we're not going to buck God off our back. Why does the Bible say in Psalms 4610, be still and know? My dad told me years ago, we, we told, I guess about 15 years ago, went home, told mom and dad, we were expecting a, uh, a little, uh, expecting a child, I didn't know it was a little girl at the time. We did what most people would do, we found out we were expecting, we went to Walmart and bought one of those yellow triangle, or, or uh, diamonds that say baby on board, I just thought that's what you're we supposed to do, and so we did. Went home and told mom and dad, we're having a baby, and we're sitting there talking, and as most good dads would do, the, the advice began to come, you know? And dad says, if I could give you two words of advice for your child, it would be this. He said, the first thing is just to teach them to be still. Teach them to be still. He said, you're going to find that kid's going to want to wiggle and squirm and go its way and do what it wants to do. Just teach them from an early age to be still. And could I tell you, my dad was right. That kid loved to wiggle and loved to squirm and go and do her own way and do her own thing. And I was finally, no, you get over here. I'm walking to Walmart. She's pulling me over here, (laughs) pulling me over there to go where she wanted to go. And finally, we just had to have a little bit of a come-to-Jesus meeting and help her understand that I was the parent. I know that's foreign today. I was the parent, and she was going to go my way. And finally, she realized, you know what? He's a little bit bigger than me. He does pay for my food and does change my diapers. Therefore, it's probably in my best interest that I just submit to him. But you know where she got her wiggles from? She got them from her dad, because it's naturally for me not to want to be still. Folks, we have that same problem spiritually tonight. We don't know how to be still. We run to and fro looking for joy, peace, contentment. We're looking for something to bring us our next thrill. And we've got to get to the place to realize that God is our only hope. There's no point in me trying to find elsewhere what I can only find from God. Matthew six thirty three: seek ye first the kingdom of God. Just be still is what he's saying. And all these things shall be added unto you. Just learn to be still. Here's what I fear tonight. I fear we're too busy searching for what only can be found when we be still. Now let's digest that one. I fear most of us are so busy searching for the only thing that can be found by being still and looking to God as verse 24 says, Therefore will I hope in him. Jeremiah is showing a lesson this entire nation is having to learn, and they're just learning to be still. Just be still in hope in God. Psalms 4.4, the Bible says, stand in awe and sin not. Notice that, stand. When you're standing, you're being still. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Be still. If there's anything I hope we've learned in the last 18 months, is that we've got to learn to be still And hope only in God I know when this thing first started 18 months ago It was two years ago, I guess When all of this first started Boy, my brain's running back and forth, back and forth Alright, we've got to do this, we've got to do this We've got to keep an eye on the finances Make sure all of the bills are paid We've got to make sure the staff's taken care of We've got to make sure the building's taken care of We're going to have to do all of this stuff And in the end, I said, you know what we need to do? We just need to be still and trust God Let Him be our hope Because the temptation is for us to run and do it on our own Turn with me to Exodus 33 I want you to see something Exodus 33 Look down if you will I tell you what, look in verse number 1 I want you to watch what's about to transpire here and the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying unto thy seed will I give it. God says, Go toward the promised land. Watch verse 2. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. He says, Hey, I want you to go. I'm going to send an angel before you. You see, they had done wicked and evil in the sight of the Lord. Verse four of the Bible says, the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man did put on him his ornaments. Why? Because God says, I'm going to send an angel, but I'm not going with you. I'm not going with you. Now look down, skip down to about verse number 15. Moses shares something that I think all of us tonight need to adopt as our life philosophy. He said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Moses says, God, if you're not going with us, he said, I don't want to go with an angel. If you don't lead us, I don't want to go. You see verse 14, what God's response to that was before he said that. He said, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. Moses says, I don't want to go anywhere you're not there. Moses says, I don't want to make a move or a step that you're not there. He says, hey, don't send an angel. I'm staying where you're at. You know what Moses was saying? I'm just going to be still. I'm going to be where you're at. And I'm going to be content, hoping in you and looking to you for what I need in my life. Because you know what? It's not worth going if God doesn't go with us. Can I tell you what we got to learn how to do tonight? I know it sounds so simple. But we have the same problem our little ones do. We as grown-ups have trouble being still spiritually. What does that mean? It means what verse 24 says. My hope is going to be in him. I'm not going to run to and fro looking for what only God can give. God, if there's anything, Lamentations 1, 2, and 3 has taught us. It's taught us how to be still. I'm just going to wait here. Moses says, I don't want to go anywhere, God, that you're not. And, oh, if we'd adopt that tonight as our lifetime philosophy. God, I just want to learn how to be still. So look what he says, verse 25. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. Now, here's what's interesting. The Bible says he's good unto them that wait for him now when that horse gets broken and finally that horse gets tired of bucking and says you know what? it's in my best interest if i just be still if i will submit watch this then the horse can be led but the horse can't be led until it's learned to submit now folks what are we seeking tonight we all want to be led God, show us what to do. God, show us where to go. God, show us where we need. And God says, I want to show you, but you've got to be still. Quit running to and fro trying to find what you're only going to find by hoping in God. And you're only going to have that when you be still. And you be still and submit to God. Then God leads us after we've learned to acknowledge him in all of our ways. What was Moses saying? He says, God, I long for you. And I'm going to wait here. I'm not gonna move. God, I don't wanna go. I'm gonna wait here and be still until you give me what I need. Now, folks, that's a longing for God. We've got to have a longing for God. If we've learned our lesson from all that we've gone through, we're going to prove it by being still and waiting upon God. I know that just a few months down the road, Black Friday Friday's around the corner. Man, we're excited about it. Last year we really didn't get to participate in it, did we? Missed out on those toasters. Missed out on the George Foreman's, you know, missed out on the Cracker Jack boxes with all the little stuff inside and the free snacks. I missed out on it too. I used to go with my wife all the time. Leslie said something the other day, I'm looking forward to Black Friday this year. I said, all right, we'll see, you know, see how it goes. And they'll have that, you know, 75-inch television at Best Buy, they've got one of them. And it's going to be, you know, 75 cents or something like that. Three days out, people are pitching pup tents, lining up. And I'm thinking, I hope you people realize there's only one. And the news media will go up, sir, could you tell us why you're here? We're waiting on that TV. and They'll ask the second guy, sir, what are you doing? I'm waiting on that TV. I'm like, come on, folks, do the math. There's one TV, there's two of you. That's why they bring the brass knuckles, you know, and the tasers and the mace. It's going to get rough. And you ask, I mean, those people are, it's November, sometimes it's cold. And they're sitting out there, I mean, all the way down the building, they're going to save $25 on an Apple Watch. No way, man. I'm not sleeping outside of Best Buy in Hattiesburg for $25. Oh, no, my life is not. <laughs> Listen, my, wife's, my life is way worth more than that. But they'll line up. Why? They're longing for something. They're longing for Man, I want that TV. Man, I want that Apple Watch or I want those AirPods. Whatever it is, they're longing and they're willing to be still for what they're longing for. Now, here it comes, all right? Boomerang goes out. Boomerang comes back. It's sad that they're willing to be still for something they long for, and we're not. Wouldn't it be neat? Wouldn't it be neat? But John, we showed up here, you know, Sunday mornings, 9 o'clock, and there's tents pitched out front all the way down the building asking all these people, what are you doing here? I, I want to, to get a front row seat. Yeah, we'd probably pass out, be honest with you. Something's wrong, Something bad wrong. But man, we don't want to wait on that. We don't want to wait much past 12. Why? Because we don't long for God. We haven't learned to be still. God says, look, I'm your only hope. And I've tried to show you that through all that we've gone through. But you've got to learn how to be still and just wait on me. Hey, asked the kids that went to Montana. I told them. I says you need to find some time every day that you get along with God. You and God go get some quiet time. Why? Because he's our only hope up here. We don't know them. They don't know us. But they desperately need Christ. And we've got to have God. God, we've got to have you. I can't convict anybody. I couldn't even make anybody come out of their house when I was bribing them with hot dogs and candy. I couldn't get them to come out. I said, God, you've got to do it. So that required us getting still God I'm going to be still and I'm going to wait on you to do what only you could do When they left Egypt They came to the Red Sea It was a hopeless situation wasn't it? Hopeless Rugged terrain Red Sea army They're surrounded Do you know God led them there? He told them to camp Before Pihiroz That means I want you to camp at this particular spot God led them into an ambush He really did God made it difficult for them. Why? He wanted them to get hopeless. You got the army behind you. Here they are, just a bunch of people. They don't have any weapons. And the army's coming. Pharaoh's coming. The chariots are coming. And finally, God told Moses, stand still. Don't move. But he said, stand still in what? See. I love the fact, when you look at that word still in the Bible, you'll find Psalms, the Bible says, be still and know. And he told Moses, stand still and see. And I had to tell you this today. The church don't know a whole lot and can't see a whole lot. You know why? We haven't learned to be still. He said, be still and you're going to know that I am God. Oh, watch this. What if they said, nope, we're going to take matters into our own hands and we're just going to turn around and we're going to fight. We're going to throw sand at them, you know. That wouldn't have ended well. But they got to know God. Why? Because they learned how to be still. Real quickly, and I'll give you the second thing. Being still means you're no longer searching for alternatives Being still means you're no longer searching for alternatives When David went off chasing Bathsheba David thought he was going to find what he needed Oh, that's what I need And he went chase chased joy and pleasure By stealing another man's wife Finally, when David was ready to repent What was his wording? What did David say? Is I'm now ready to halt I'm now ready to be still he said, I've been running and chasing what I want and pleasure, but I found it didn't bring me pleasure. God, I'm ready to be still and look to you for what only you can give. David was ready to be still. He was tired of searching for alternatives. Folks, tonight, that's when you know you've learned your lesson, when you no longer search for alternatives. Being still means you're willing to admit that you can't do it yourself. John chapter 6 Remember, the Bible says that many of the disciples that followed Christ turned and went away. Jesus turns, he says, will you also go away? What did Simon Peter say? Verse 66, to whom shall we go? For thou hast the words of eternal life. Peter says, there's no point in us going anywhere else. We're looking to you because we can't save ourselves. Thou hast the words of eternal life. There's no reason for me to go anywhere else. I'm hoping only in you. Folks, that's how you know when you're desperate and you've learned your lesson and you're longing for God because you're willing to be still and admit I can't do it myself. Being still means you found something better. What about Mary and Martha? What was old Mary doing? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Jesus. What did Jesus say? She has chose that better part. Martha, you're cumbered about, she was busy. Is that us or what? We're busy, always going, always doing. Kids got this, we got this. We're so busy, 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 busy. And oftentimes the reason we're busy is we're trying to find some kind of fulfillment in our life and it's not fulfilling, is it? And we get back to the place to realize that Mary had it figured out. Just Be still and look to Christ for what we need. So number one, this lesson of longing. How do you know when you've learned your lesson and you're longing for God? Well, you're willing to be still. What's the second thing? I'll give you this. I told you, it's very simple, but boy, it's very hard. Verse 25, the Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. Now look at verse 26. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Verse 28, he sitteth alone and keepeth what? Silence. So we see the Bible says it's good for a man to quietly wait. In verse 28, the Bible says he keepeth silence. God is showing us the second way that we know we're ready to long for God. Number one, we long for God when we're willing to be still. Number two, when you long for God, you're ready to be quiet. You're just ready to be quiet. Someone said one time, there's a reason God gave us two ears and one mouth, so that we hear twice as much as we say. I think James says it better, chapter 1, verse 19, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. I understand that's probably one I need to write down on my refrigerator, because I'm not slow to speak. I speak a lot, especially on Sunday mornings around 12 o'clock, correct? Amen. But you know tonight there's a difference between God hearing from you and you hearing from God? There's a big difference. You know, prayer is like a two-way radio. Uh, A two-way radio has both a transmitter and a receiver. You can transmit. It's like a walkie-talkie, you know? Walkie-talkies are cool. As a kid, man, that was so awesome having those, Walk around the woods with code names, you know. I won't tell you what mine was, but it was really cool, and I might use it every once in a while in text messages to my wife. You had those walkie-talkies, and you're mashing them, and you're talking to somebody, but a few minutes later, all of a sudden, they start talking back to you. But I did find out something neat about walkie-talkies, two-way radios. You can't hear them as long as you've got the button pressed, all right? Now, sometimes that's a good thing. But sooner or later, listen, you need to hear from them. Now, oftentimes, I think of the last 18 months, if we, like Jeremiah, has gone through all of this affliction? Say, man, I'm calling out to God, calling out to God, and nothing wrong with that, that God has heard from us. But here's my question. Have we taken the time to be quiet and to hear from him? What does God say? What does he, you know what? I'm not a smart guy. You've known me two years. You probably figured that out the first year. But I'll tell you, I can't figure this life out on my own. But it's so wonderful to be able to ask God what he wants and then just do what he says. Jeremiah 33.3, call unto me, transmitter, and I will answer thee, receiver. Years ago, I was in Bible college. I was 23 years old and I wasn't married, but man, I wanted to get married so bad. And a guy, a good friend of mine, he was a pastor at the time. He says, he says have you been praying about it? I says, brother, I pray every day that God would send me a wife. These were his exact words. He says, do you ever shut up to listen? I hate it when people get bluntly spiritual with me. But he was right. He was right. I'd have my regular prayer time. i go to God, okay, God, I need this. You know I need a wife. I'm, you know, I, I surrendered my life to you here. Now, eight years into it, and I still didn't have a wife. I said, God, come on. Look, there's guys who aren't even nowhere near as close to you as I am, and they've got a wife and kids already. I'm just telling God, 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 I just need this, and God, you don't understand, and God, I'm having all this trouble. He says, do you ever just shut up and listen every once in a while? Jeremiah says, what did he say? Look down. Is good for a man that should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Folks, sometimes we just need to be quiet and listen. What does that have to My wife the other day, uh, Brother Michael, invited us over for afogados. one of my favorite desserts. It is ice cream with espresso poured over the top of it. Magnificent. I told Brother Michael, absolutely, I will come over to your house for afogados. He's paying for it. He's cooking it? I'm like, yeah, great idea. We'll do that. So I, will, I said, we'll be there. So told my wife, I said, don't forget, we've got to go to Brother Michael's tonight. She goes, weren't you listening? When your wife asks you that, don't say anything. <laughs> don't get yourself in any more trouble. I says, what do you mean? What do you mean? She goes, I told you we're having dinner with Brother Micah at 6 o'clock. I'm like, you did? She goes, yes, I told you that. But you were probably talking and not listening to me. And I had to agree with her because she was probably right. I was so busy running my mouth, I wasn't listening to what she was saying. What she was saying was very important, something I needed to hear, and it really impacted my schedule. Now, folks, we get ourselves in trouble a lot because we're doing more of this and less of this. We just need to slow down, sit down, be still and be quiet and listen to God. Folks, can I tell you, I believe the hour is of such a great need that we've got to hear from him. Yes, he needs to hear from us. We've got to hear from him. Why? Because I assure you, he's got something to say. He's got an answer. He wants to show us all the things we know us not, but we've got to receive it. That means let go of the button every once in a while. In the morning, if we wake up, we break out our walkie-talkies. We've got them out. All right, God, here's what I need today. God, I'm going to need some joy, some peace. I need some discernment and some direction. I need you to convict my wife for not living right. You know, I need you to convict my husband for not living right. And God, I need you to work on my coworkers. They're gossiping all the time. I don't need to hear that. Amen. God was like, I couldn't get a word in edgewise. He wanted to say something. Let go of the button every once in a while. Jeremiah said, quietly wait. Verse 27 It's good for a man to bear, that he bear the yoke in his youth. You look at the context of that verse, how important our young people it is to learn to be still and quiet and hope in God. They bear these burdens in their youth. Oh, what kind of adults could we have in this room 20 years from now if they learn the lesson in their youth to be spiritually still and quiet that I can hope in God? Mom and dad, once again, I know you get tired of hearing it. We've got to be that example for them. We've got to show them Look, As a child of God, we don't panic. We trust. Okay, God, we're going to hope in you. Why? Because of all that we've gone through, we've realized we can't do it. Exodus 14, 14. The Bible says that he told Egypt, the, the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt. He says, the Lord will fight for you. He says, hold your peace. Just be quiet. I'll tell you one thing I'm so thankful for. God doesn't need my help. I don't have to give God advice. I don't have to give God my opinion. I just have to hope in him. See so God, I'm not gonna tell you how to do it. God, I'm just gonna hope in you. But oftentimes, we don't give God the time to listen. We speak, but we don't listen. I read a story about Franklin Roosevelt. He often stood in receiving lines, shaking people's hands. And because he was the president, people would come through and they would always smile. You know, shake his hand and smile. Kinda of like the back door, you know, when the preacher, you go out the back door, you, you smile and you shake your head, you, you, you know. It wasn't a good sermon. You lied when you came out the door and you said, ah, good sermon. You know, just repeat those same lines over again. So he was speaking to one of his aides. He told his aides, he says, look, they're not listening. I talked to them, they're not listening. They just shake my hand and smile. He says, I'll prove it to you. So he's in a receiving line. All these people are coming through. He's shaking hands with them. And he says, instead of saying, hi, how are you doing? He just says under his breath, I murdered my grandmother last night. True story. Hi, how are you? I murdered my grandmother last night. And they said, oh, wonderful, wonderful. They're not listening to a word he's saying. True story. Come through, shaking his hand. Hey, Howard, so good to see you. Thank you for inviting us to the White House. Oh, it's so good to have you. I murdered my grandmother last night. I said, thank you so much. Not paying a lick of attention to what he's saying. Finally, this ambassador from a four, I think it was India or something, comes to the line. He shakes his hand, and uh, he says, man, thank you so much for inviting us. We're just honored to be here in the White House. He says, we're glad to have you here, and I murdered my grandmother last night. The ambassador says, well, she probably deserved it. He was the only one that was listening. And oftentimes that's the case. There's a lot of us lined up before God, and we know what we want to tell him, but we're not listening to him. And we're missing out on the opportunity to hear what we desperately need that we can only get from God. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is just to be still and to be quiet. I think that's why Revelation repeats over and over again. He that hath an ear, let him hear let him hear. I believe tonight God is there in that still small voice of the Holy Spirit of God in our hearts. In all that we've been going through, he's been talking with the answers. But either we won't be still enough or be quiet enough to hear him. And God help us tonight to get to the place where we truly have learned from what we've gone through that we long enough after God... To be still, to be still, and to be quiet. Do you remember what it's like? I think all of us probably have at least one of these times in our life to where you couldn't wait to get out of bed to go pray. Do you ever have a time like that in your life? Maybe right after you got saved, you love talking with God, walking with God, and you couldn't wait to get out of bed To go kneel at your couch or kneel beside your bed and talk with God and walk with God and it wasn't checking the boxes so you could say you did. You just wanted to spend time with them. And oh, you heard from him. People talked to you. How did you know to do this? How did you know God's will? How did you know you're supposed to go there? Because God told me. I remember when I left my first church to move to Louisiana. Uh, Well, actually to move back to the camp, then to Louisiana. We left a nice home uh, comfortable position to go live at the camp and be a church member at my dad's church. I went from pastor to church member, and all these people asking me, "How did you know? Are you sure?" I even had an evangelist tell me, "You don't step down." I guess there's some kind of hierarchy in ministry. You always step up. I said, "You know what? I know what the voice of God sounds like, yes. and I'm doing what I'm doing because that's what He said do." And oh, how I had peace in my heart because I had surrendered to submit to what he said. And then God led us to where he wanted us to go. Do you remember what it was like to hear from God? I wonder what it be like to hear from him again. I wonder if some of those question marks you have in your life tonight, things you're worrying about, stressing about, not sure about, I wonder, I wonder if he hasn't already told you. But we were too busy not being Still and not being quiet to hear him. And I believe tonight we could have genuine revival in the midst of our adversity if we just took some time to be still and to be quiet. So tonight with our heads bowed and eyes closed, we're gonna do just that.